you have your Bibles with you, I hope that you can open them to Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And this is what it says. <clears throat> Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, <laughs> a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they approve the comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hariopolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and at Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is only read in the, it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remem remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is God's word. Dear Lord, um, how great are your signs and wonders. Your kingdom is eternal. Your dominion endures from generation to generation. So God, uh, we now sit in silent humility to hear your word, and we pray this morning that we would not leave the same. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. Um, we might want to just shut the lights off. Um, is that going to be, is that too, is that okay, or is that too dark? Because that thing flickering me is really, yeah, that's kind of messing with my brain. Or, or if you put them all the way, like all the way brightness, it may stop doing that. But whatever you guys want, try it, try it out. Is that too much, though? Shut them off? Okay, shut them off. There we go. I don't want to see you guys anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm talking. One of my points tonight is to stop being so sarcastic. Um, it really is. And now, now i got to preach to myself when I get to that point. <clears throat> Happy Father's Day. It's so good to be with you all on Father's Day. Um, some of you uh, might not be um, a biological father. Um, I want you to know, um, every single one of you, that your life has influence. Um, and you are likely like a father to someone, whether you realize it or not. You, you might also be remembering your dad today that passed away, and maybe you're missing him today and feeling the heaviness and the weightiness of that. And, and I also know that maybe some people here um, don't have very pleasant memories of their dads. Um, maybe they were abusive or difficult people. So for some of us, Father's Day is a lot of fun, and others, it's, it can be challenging. Um, wh wherever you may land this morning, I do want to take just a few moments of silence um, to, I want, I want to reflect, uh, give you a moment to just remember your dads.
take 10 seconds. We're going to take 10 or 15 seconds. Remember his laugh. Remember something he was good at doing. Picture it in your mind. Um, and then thank God for the good gifts that he's given us. Would you do that with me? And I'm just going to um, try to keep, keep time here. So if you're online, I would just encourage you to do that yourself. Um, uh, remember your dads. Remember your sons. Um, let's do that together, okay? Oh, God, thank you so much, Lord, for the gifts that you've given us. Um, I think about how blessed I've been in my life to have so, so many family members that love me and friends that support and even share my faith. God, thank you for all of us here together that some of us are grieving. I pray, God, that we would grieve with them and that you would encourage their hearts. And we, we thank you, Lord, that if we had a rough fatherhood and a rough a rough father and a rough childhood. God, that you're a better father, a loving one, and a kind one. That we get to look forward to seeing you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, um, if you've been following us along for any amount of time now, you would have noticed that we, since we weren't able to meet live in person, we, were we, we decided to put a pause on our study, which was going through the book of Colossians, and we went through various psalms in, in the book of Psalms. And Psalms is, a, is the Bible's prayer book. It's the Bible's hymn book. And it, it reflects um, this range of emotion from joy to sorrow, from faith to unbelief, and all sorts of things. So we thought it was just really relevant to really focus our time. And how, how does David and many others pray um, when the heat gets turned up? So we went to the book of Psalms. We're going to go back today um, to our study in the book of Colossians. We almost finished it, actually. Um, so... I decided today was a good day to go back to it, being Father's Day. And at the end of the letter, it brings up something um, in particular that I think that men, men in particular aren't normally that good at. Um, it's something that we need to pay attention to, all of us, not just men, um, but every single one of us that calls ourselves Christians and followers of Jesus Christ. And that term we would call brotherhood. More generally, um, you might call it Christian friendship. This morning's text in Colossians, you read Colossians chapter 4, and if you're with me, a lot of times when you're reading the letters of the New Testament, you get to the ends and it's kind of like, okay, this is the part that doesn't matter, right? He's just saying hi to everyone he knows, right? Like, um, we can feel like that at times, like not that it doesn't matter, but we don't, we don't see how we can get much out of it. He's just sort of greeting everyone that might be in that church. But it's filled with these hidden gems that if you miss them, your spiritual life, all of us as men and women in Christ, is just going to fall flat. And really, if you found yourself stuck in the Christian life, oftentimes it has something to do with this, brotherhood. That hidden treasure here. If you're um, a woman in Christ, sisterhood or Christian friendship, we might call it fellowship. Friends, if you and I are going to thrive and grow as Christians, this issue is not an option. And so often I feel myself, and, and especially men, tend to lack the particular skill of brotherhood. So that's why I want to challenge, in particular, our men, our fathers, our dads, our sons in our church to this end. In our text, 
Paul mentions 11 people. You can go back and test me, see if I'm right. Okay? He mentions 11 people by name. One of them is a woman. Ten of them are men. It's not because Paul was a chauvinist. There were tons of women that Jesus mentions by name, Paul mentions by name in other places. But here, in particular, he overwhelmingly is calling out the men to action. And it just made me think about our church in particular. And not just our church, but the church. Is, does the church even have ten men that are godly, that live in brotherhood, that have a mission for godliness and Christ-likeness and the kingdom of Christ in their hearts that they share with other men in the church? Men that live on mission, men that live for Jesus Christ. Friends, the first thing that I want to say about brotherhood that I get from this text is that we need the kind of brotherhood that outnumbers us. That outnumbers us. In other words, I am not the only brother in this church that cares about the kingdom. There's tons of them that care with me. So when, when we see at the end of the book of Colossians, Paul has this, is, by the way, he's in prison, but he has this incredible capacity and concern for the multitude of men that God has put in his, in his life, even though they're at a distance. They're far away because he's separated from them in prison. He knows their names. He knows their circumstances. He's concerned about their growth. He even tells one of them, because he knows he's discouraged, to not quit on his ministry. He is actively involved in the personal lives of the men in Colossae. And he's not being a busybody. You see, friends, I fear all too often that at times we like our privacy so much because we're Americans, we don't want anyone ever asking us questions. Paul rattles these names off, not like a task, not to fill some quota because he's got a boss making sure he mentions them. These are his men that God gave to him. And friends, we've got to look around us and we've got to believe the same. These are our people that God has given to us. We're not just BTUs <laughs> making the room warmer. We are souls, living, breathing souls that God has ordained to use for his kingdom purposes. We need each other in our lives. We need men that we can talk to, that we can live our lives with, that God has put us in each other's lives to love we need a brotherhood that outnumbers us amen? amen so friends do you know each other's names do you know each other's situations or do you just kind of silently judge each other when you see someone else doing something wrong right we each have gifts and challenges and passions and God has brought us together to know each other Oh, I hope that we have 10. Give me 10. Who said that? Was it Lot? Abraham? It was Abraham. Thank you. Do we have 10? The kind of brotherhood, friends, we all need to grow in faith and zeal. For Jesus is one that outnumbers us, but also one that is honest with us. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. Not just the good things. Not just the stuff I post on Facebook. He's going to tell you all the news about me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we'll get to that in a moment. 
In verse 8, I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that they will tell you everything that has happened here. Friends, Paul unburdened himself by being honest with his brothers, by coming out of, his hi- out of hiding. Now, I don't believe that Paul just blurted out the deepest, darkest secrets of his heart to just anybody. I think these were people that were trustworthy, that were God-fearing, that loved him and were gracious. So it doesn't mean that you post every little dark secret for the world to see. But Paul knew how to unburden himself by sharing the load of his life with brothers in Christ. People that he could tell everything and anything to. Friends, do you have one person, just one person, that you can tell everything to? Even the most awful thing that you've ever done. Your darkest secrets. You know what the outcome of silence is? You know, we don't have to guess. It tells us, David tells us in Psalm chapter 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. When you live in secret, when you live in hiding, when you fake it to everyone around you, your bones waste away. And friends, I know that. I've been there. It's not a happy life to live alone. We're so embarrassed. I don't want to tell this person or that person that I did this or that thing. I'm, I mean, I'm supposed to be strong, and I, how dare I ever have failed like that? But it's, it's ironic because the moment that we actually have the courage to go to a brother in Christ and tell them the truth, it's like this weight falls off our shoulders. And when we don't do it, when we don't confess our fears and our doubts and our worries and our sins, our lack of faith, all of it, we waste away. Ephesians chapter 5, you know what it says? It tells us that we are now children of light, and we are to walk as children of light. So we're not to live in the darkness, in other words, alone, in the shadows. God is light, 1 John 1, 5, and there is no darkness in him. Brothers, here's a question. Are you hiding? Are you living in darkness? Are you not being honest with brothers in Christ, living alone? Oh, the cost that we pay. You know, Matthew 5 tells us to right wrongs. If you've realized you've sinned against a, blood, a brother, you've taken, you're taking your offering, put it down and go talk to him about it. Don't just tell God about it. I'm sorry, God, for that. It says go to him too. James 5 teaches us to confess our sins one to another. You know, evangelicals, we, we sort of really brag about how we don't have to confess to priests like those wrong Catholics, right? We, we are evangelicals. We confess to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. But you know what they have down that we don't have down? They tell their sins to people, real living human beings. We don't do that. Even evangelicals are not good at that. We, ha- we have in the Bible, over and over again, a demand to go to trusted brothers and sisters in Christ regularly to expose our hearts to them. You know what um, kills brotherhood? It's the Christian F word. Fine. How are you? Fine. It's the Christian F word. We use it so easily, so frequently. And I know, you know, someone comes up to you at church 
you're not going to elaborate all of the, the problems of your soul to a random person that you don't even know. Okay? <laughs> right? And I'm not expecting that we would do that. But when a trusted brother comes and they ask you, and we still use that dirty word, oh, friends, let's live honestly. You know, Paul wasn't afraid to admit his weakness, to admit his chains. He says, remember my chains. Why, why do you think he said, remember my chains? Because he was, bro, look at me, I'm in prison. No, because it was hard. He says in another place in scripture, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the troubles we experience. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. We didn't have the emotional capacity, in other words, to continue. We were too weak. Here is a man admitting to other men that he was weak and that he needed them. Oh, friends, he wasn't fine. The great apostle, despairing, crushed in spirit. Oh, oh, are we honest with our brothers? Brothers, do we have trusted men that, that we're honest with, really honest with? Number three, who encourage us? I am sending him to you, for, this is in verse 8 of Colossians 4, for the, expre- for the express purpose that he may encourage your hearts. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. How many people remember the name Jessica McClure? No? You will in a second. In 1987, at just 18 months old, in Midland, Texas, little Jessica McClure fell into a well, 22 feet down, 8 inches wide. It took 400 people 58 hours to rescue her. She was in that dark hole, 22 feet down, 8 inches wide, for 58 hours. They made a movie about her. Um, it's a, I, th- I think it was a made-for-TV movie, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was excellent. How many people actually are reme- old enough to remember this and saw this on TV? Um, this began, by the way, I was reading this this week, um, this began the 24-hour news cycle. They didn't, uh, only one station had that before. It was CNN. CNN was the only ones there filming this because they were the only news station that had 24 hours. And after that, all the news stations switched to 24-hour news cycles. But little Jessica McClure, 1987, 18 months old, 22 feet down in a dark hole, 8 inches wide. It took 400 people 58 hours to get her out of this hole. The rescuers, when they arrived, they created a two-phase plan to rescue her. And do you know what phase one was? we got to talk to her. Phase one wasn't get her out of the hole. Phase one was we need to speak with her right now. They needed to get someone to be able to constantly speak with her as soon as possible, not to get her out, but to comfort her. Why was this so important? You know why? Because people think really strange things when they're in trouble and when they're trapped. She could have been a worse enemy than the whole. Because when we're in trouble, our fears get blown out of proportion 
Our minds play tricks on us. We think that this will help me when it won't. We do self-destructive things, and at worst, we give up. So these rescue workers decided that priority one was to get someone near her with her, to speak to her, to speak encouraging words to counter her fears and her imagination because she wasn't alone. One witness that was sort of in charge of keeping open communication um, accounts that she, he was brought to tears when he started singing Winnie the Pooh with her. Imagine that, 22 feet down, Winnie the Pooh. After 58 long hours, with the world transfixed to the live 24-hour coverage, coverage, baby Jessica is emerged, and you can see her on the screen there in this man's arms. See her wrapped in that white towel there, her little eyes, right in front of that man with the hat. Um, this picture um, won a Pulitzer Prize, I think. Um, what an amazing day that was, little baby Jessica. By the way, today, baby Jessica is alive and well and married. Can you imagine? She doesn't even remember any of this happening. Baby Jessica needed first comfort. She needed to know that there were people with her that loved her, that were on her side, that were working for her. And friends, so do you. You need someone by your side speaking truth to you. Do you have that? Do you have brothers and sisters that you're honest enough with that they can actually speak to you in your well? You know the word encourage in Greek? Um, it's, it's parakaleo. You know, we get the word parallel and call from it. So it means someone that is with you speaking to you. Right? They're right on the side of you speaking truth to you encouraging you, calling you out, and sometimes with harsh words. So here's what I was getting at at the beginning of my service. You know what kills brotherhood? Sarcasm. Always joking around, always making fun. I think we've got to have a sense of humor. I have a sense of humor. I try to have a sense of humor. Sometimes I go too far, though. And sometimes my joking hurts people's feelings. Does that ever happen to you? <laughs> sarcasm friends kills brotherhood Romans 12 10 be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves Ephesians 5 4 nor should there be any obscenity foolish talk coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving Colossians 4 6 let your conversation be always filled with grace seasoned with salt friends we need to replace our sarcasm with grace, with honor, and with encouragement. I can be snarky and sarcastic. And sometimes that sense of humor that sometimes I mean well with hurts others, and jokes can really injure each other. Oh, friends, how I hope that we can learn and grow to be encouragers, to build each other up. And let me ask you some, something. When you're 22 feet down, Who's speaking to you? Do you have someone that loves you enough to encourage you? Number four, whose skin is in the game with you? Paul calls these men fellow prisoners and fellow servants. Fellow prisoners and fellow servants. They were not men that just visited him in jail. Oh, poor Paul. 
how unlucky you are to be in such a miserable place. No, they were with him. Some of them were on his side within the same chains he was in. They were in the battle with him. They weren't just spectators calling out like we call it to Tom, you know, you can do it. You're all, no, they, they, were, they were Edelman. They were on the side. They were playing the game with him. They were getting punched and kicked alongside of him. So these weren't just spectators. They were men that received, they were not, excuse me, they were not just men that received his service, but they served with him. They were in the hole, 22 feet down with him. Friends, who's with you? Who's alongside of you? Are you brothers? Are you actually fellow prisoners of Christ? Because if we're not, and we just have this memory of how Jesus made us happy at some point, and maybe we became born again, and we have this memory of it, but we're not actively living and following out our faith today, how are we going to be fellow servants of Christ with anybody? we got to walk with God so that we can have this with people. And that's not to guilt you. That's not to put you down. I've been there. But it's to encourage you because today's a new day, and we've been saved by grace through faith. And nothing that we've done, even the amount of time that we've spent away from him, can prevent us from coming back and walking with Jesus, and being a man of God. Friends, you can't have brotherhood, or sisterhood, or receive it if you've got no skin in the game. We need brothers with us. We need, no, we, we need brothers, number five, that love us. Oh, we don't like saying love. I love you. That's for girls, right? That's what we say. That's not a manly word. Who is co- he is coming with Onesimus in verse 9, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. Calls him a brother. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, he's a good dude. Our fi- you know, that hard worker. Like the things that we don't mind saying as men to other men. He says he's his brother. You ever get into a fight? How many people actually kind of ever gotten into blows with someone else? Like a real fight okay yeah so i I, i've been i've gotten punched once in my life by by um by someone and i was young i was like maybe 10 years old and i was in the schoolyard and we were playing something and i didn't do nothing right that's my story and this kid just came up to me out of the blue and just whacked me boom right in the face punched me um how many people have ever gotten to a fight with a sibling You guys know that it, when you fight with a sibling, it's different than when you fight with a stranger. When you fight with a stranger, normally you hate their guts. But when you fight with a brother, you say, I hate their guts. No. But normally, though, when you fight with, you, with a brother, you tend to forgive them a little bit more quickly. You see, I can slug my brother, but don't you dare slug him. That's my brother. Because even when we're mad at each other, we still know, like, this is my guy. This is my brother, and I'll die for him, even though I, I'm really mad at him right now, right? I can hit my brother. Don't you dare hit my brother. That's my brother. See, because, friends, brotherhood is intimacy. It's love. It's unity. He says in the text, he is one of you. 
one, like literally one, united to you in Christ. Oh, friends, we are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to love each other, to put each other first before ourselves, to seek each other's good. That's what love means. Oh, I fear that for many of us, the men uh, and women of God around us are, are simply just strangers that we might know their names, but we don't call them dearly beloved. And we need brothers and sisters that we love and that love us in return. And you know what they do for us, number six? We need the kind of brothers that pray for us. Epaphras, who is one of you, listen to what Epaphras does. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God. Not he's wrestling in prayer for you because you lost your job and he wants you to get a new job. A lot of times that's our prayers, right? Like people are in trouble, they're in a pinch, so God, you know, heal them. And that's all fine. The Bible says to pray without ceasing and to pray for all things. But this prayer in particular, they're praying something in particular, and this is what we need brothers to pray for us for, that we might stand firm in the will of God. Because that's more important than our broken knee, and it's more important than the fact that we lost our job and we don't have money. Standing firm in the will of God is the most important priority for all of us. And Brother Epaphras prayed for God's men, that they would have that. Oh, and I hope that we can be a brotherhood and a sisterhood in this church that actually prays for that for each other, that actually looks out for each other to that end. The Greek word for wrestle is, you know, you know what word we get for it, uh, from it, from? Agony. He agonizes in prayer for you. That's what this means. In ancient Greek, it, it was a word that was used for like the physical exertion that you would put into an athletic competition. So it's the finals, it's the last game, and whoever wins is the champion. You are not really thinking at, at, at that point whether or not your body can handle it. You are just pushing yourself to win. Isn't that true? And, and if you collapse and lose, then that's fine. At least you tried. Right? So you push yourself to, physical, to the, to the ac- absolute limits of what your body can handle in an athletic competition so that you might win the prize. And Brother Epaphras agonized, pushed himself to the limits in prayer for his brothers in Christ. Do you have brothers that pray for you? Do you know of one or two or three people that you know for sure, this person's praying for me? Not just that my business will succeed, but that I will follow Christ and be a man of God. Oh, I hope you do. Do you pray for someone like that? One or two or three people that you have their names written in your Bible and you've committed to pray for them, that Christ would be formed in them? I hope that you do. You know, these men, though, I mentioned this, they don't just pray for nice days and good weather and a new boat. They pray with urgency. Friends, we need brothers who focus us. This is my last point. In verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm. It's a focused prayer that you might be mature, that you might be fully assured. Verse 17, Paul says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry 
that you have received in the Lord. Isn't that interesting? That's Paul's message from prison to Archippus. He doesn't tell him, you know, put my money in a bank or make sure that you invest, you know, refinance that, you know, it's really low right now, the percentage rates. All of, none of that's in here. <laughs> See to it that you complete your ministry. Friends, you all have a ministry. In Christ, you have a ministry. God has saved you and put you in a ministry. And it might, he might not put a mic in your hand. He might not send you overseas as a missionary. But if, he's made, if, if you are born again by grace through faith this morning, you, you have been given a ministry. That ministry might be to evangelize your mom and dad, your brothers or sisters. It might be to serve your coworkers at your workplace. But you have a ministry, friends. Do you have anyone that's concerned about your ministry? Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete your ministry that you have received in the Lord. You see, brothers in Christ focus us. They remind us that, that we are more than just money makers. We are more than just husbands and wives. We are kingdom workers. God has put us together on mission for a purpose. And we need the sort of brothers and sisters in Christ that focus us, that remind us of these things that love us, that seek our greatest good, that we might be men and women of God, that we would stand firm in his will, that we would be fully grown in Jesus Christ, and that we would be assured of his love and his purpose. Oh, because of this, isn't it true that in Christ you are useful? You have so much value and purpose and usefulness. You are kingdom workers. And I hope that you can become alive to it this morning, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, that today might be a new day for you. Oh, what you need most is not a new wife or a new girlfriend. You need the kingdom of God in your heart. I need the kingdom of God in my heart. And I need brothers in Christ that aren't going to quit on me. And you need that too. Well, there was uh, one scholar and doctor, he noted this. Happiness comes from the interaction between inspiration and perspiration. <laughs> I like that. Anything that stops us from perspiring to achieve something inspiring gives us a false fantasy and an endless distraction from reaching our potential. And the greatest inspiration to the human soul is Christ's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you are agents of Christ's kingdom on this earth by faith in Christ. I hope that you have brothers and sisters that spur you on to this. That you're building a fellowship like this. <clears throat> you know, don't wait for one. Build one. Make it happen if you don't see it happening. Who's God calling you to be a brother to? I hope that you might pray about that for the rest of your day today. Okay? Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your kindness to us. We thank you for what you've done for us, that King Jesus is our brother. God, if we feel like we've, we've not done well at this, 
God, we thank you that Jesus Christ is that brotherhood. He's the one that outnumbers us. He's the one that is always honest with us. He is the one that speaks encouraging words to us when we're 22 feet down. God, he is the one whose skin is in the game with us because he became flesh just like us and took on sin and died for us in our place. He is the one, the brother that loves us. He is the one that intercedes for us in heaven. This moment prays for us like Brother Epaphras did. And God, Christ is the one who focuses us and urges us to remember that he is coming quickly. So God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the ultimate brother. Let us be like him. God, I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would help us to follow you, to have a Christian fellowship, to have a brotherhood. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would um, um, love enough, love people enough, our neighbors and friends around us, that we would share Christ with them, that they might join this brotherhood in Christ by faith. And friends, if you're listening online or if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ yet, I want to encourage you that you have a brother, a faithful one in heaven that fought a fight and died for sinners like us so that you might be adopted into his family by grace through faith so that you can have a better brother and a better father that will fight for you. Come to him. Know that he died on the cross when you should have because of your sin. We should have been separated from God because he's holy and righteous and just. So turn to him. Turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ that he'll save you, graft you into his family. And friend, if that's you, if God is giving you eyes to see and making you born again this moment, I pray that you would talk to God about that, cry out to him. And I hope that you might contact us so that we can talk to you more as well. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this Father's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.